The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. We're in a series called, well, okay, let's just do this because this is what we're doing every weekend. Turn to the person beside you and say, I got issues. Now, in the past, I've, heard, I've had you turn to the other person after that and say, you got them too. But I'm going to let you keep it all in one person here this weekend, okay? It's not really fair that you're telling people, I got issues, and then you never get to. So, same person, look at them and say, and you got them too. We got issues, right? We all do. We're all dealing with stuff. We all got things that we're working through. We haven't arrived yet. Uh, we are working towards allowing God to work through us. To, to become who it is God's called us to be. And so that's what this series is about. It's about dealing with our junk so we can become who it is God's called us to be. Fight through these issues of life, not just to kind of sit in them, but to, to deal with them. And we started this series talking about the big main issue that Jesus came to fix, which was a relationship issue. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to know you and be known by you. And so Jesus came to fix the sin problem so that he could really fix the relationship problem and be connected to you. We started there. Last week, we talked about anger. We talked about how anger is an issue, and it's an issue that all of us deal with. We have different ways we express it, and I'm sure I heard a lot of people talking this week. I'm sure it kind of sparked some conversations in maybe your offices and your workplaces and your small groups about, am I a machine gun or am I a mute and, you know, that whole thing. Uh, but, but the point is this, whether you're a machine gun or a mute, whether you blow up on everybody else or whether you pack it in, if we don't learn how to deal with anger in a biblical way, it's going to hurt us and it's going to hurt the people around us. And so today, uh, we're going to continue talking about another issue, and today's issue is the issue of comparison. The issue of comparison, if you're taking notes, this message is called the comparison issue. Now, just like with pretty much, you're going you're gonna to see this throughout the series, Every, every issue that we're going to talk about, there is a good version and there is a bad version. Uh, there, there is a, a version that is, is kind of a God-ordained way of doing things, and then there's a perverted version. See, that, that's what the devil does. He doesn't create because he doesn't have the ability to create. What he does is he perverts the things that God has created and messes them up. And comparison is one of these things. But there is good comparison, for example, um, if you say there's a family that you know of, and maybe you're like me and Sarah, you know, we, we've been married almost 15 years this year. We've got uh, three young kids, and we're still growing in our marriage. We're still growing in our parenting. And so what we do is we, we look to people that have gone before us. People, here, here's what I look for. I look for, for, for couples who've been married for 40 plus years and couples who have kids that they have raised in church and their kids love God and are still connected to the church and still love their family. I, I'm looking for that. And what I do is I look at what they're doing and I compare what they're doing to what we're doing so that I can grow and I can become better. I draw inspiration from what I see in their lives. That's good comparison. We do this as a church here at New Song. We compare ourselves to other churches. We go to these conferences uh, throughout the year. We'll, we'll, you'll see on our, on our Instagram feeds and our Facebook feeds that we're in other cities and we're at these other churches. And we go to these other churches that are bigger and have been doing this longer than us. And we go and we compare what we're doing to what they're doing so that we can, we can learn from them. What are they doing in small groups? What are we doing in small groups? What, what can we learn from them? What are we doing in children's ministry? What are they doing in children's ministry? And we're comparing ourselves to them so that we can grow, so we can reach more people, so we can make a bigger impact 
impact on the kingdom of God. That's good comparison. But there's also bad comparison. There's, there's sinful comparison. And this is where the devil takes this thing called comparison and, and he uses it to, to get us on the wrong track, to get us thinking the wrong way about God, to get us thinking the wrong way about people. He uses it to get us caught up in things that we can't get out of and to keep us in things that, that we shouldn't be doing, to keep us doing those things. So he, he uses this comparison thing to just mess up our lives and drive a wedge between us and God. And so how do we deal with this issue of comparison? And hopefully today as we, as we dig into the word and look at this, you'll, you'll find some places in your life where maybe this is an issue for you that you need to deal with. Okay, so we're going to look at three things today. First is we're going to look at uh, the curse of comparison because there is a curse that comes with this thing called comparison. We're going to look at the cause of comparison, where it comes from, and then we're going to look at the, the, the cure for comparison, how we fix this. All right, so John chapter 21, and if you're, if you're there, uh, go ahead and if you have a device of some kind, I want you to go ahead and turn there. I want you to read this yourself and look at it. And I also want to encourage you, anytime we read uh, things in, in the Word, I want to encourage you to, to go back, take notes on this stuff, and go back and look at this stuff throughout the week and allow God to continue to speak this stuff to you. So take some notes this morning, get this stuff down inside you. But, but John chapter 21, if you don't have a Bible, you don't have some kind, of, some kind of device with a Bible app on it, you can look up here with me. But let me kind of set the stage for you, okay? So Jesus, in, in the verse we're about to read, Jesus has already died on the cross. He has been raised from the dead, but he has not ascended to heaven. So there's this kind of period of time where Jesus is here on earth and he's, he's meeting people, he's seeing people, he's, the resurrected Jesus is seeing people before his ascension into heaven. And, and one of the groups of people that he, he sees a few times is his disciples. These were his 12 guys that he hung out with. And so the story that we're about to read is his third appearance to the disciples. He's seeing them and he's spending some time with them. Now in this particular story, he's spending some time talking to one of his disciples named Peter. And, and, and so Peter, so you, if you remember, Peter was the guy that uh, he denied Jesus three times. You remember that? If you're new to church, what happened was uh, Jesus told him before he went to the cross, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter was like, no, man, no way, Jesus, I would never do that. And then sure enough, while Jesus is being crucified, Peter is afraid for his life. He's afraid that he's going to be killed, martyred. And so what does he do? He denies Jesus these three times. And so Jesus is now resurrected. He's back. And Jesus is kind of bringing Peter back in to fellowship. Imagine, I mean, imagine Peter probably feels pretty bad about what he did. And so Peter's kind of saying, hey, or Jesus kind of saying, hey, I know you messed up, but I love you and I, and I forgive you. And aren't you glad that that's what Jesus does? Aren't you glad that when we mess up, it's not just like, hey, I'm done with you. He doesn't do that. He, he wants to welcome you back in no matter what you've done. And so we have this exchange with Jesus and Peter where, where Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, if you do, then feed my lambs. He says, Peter, do you love me? If you do, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? If you do, feed my Sheep. He does this three times, and what he's, what he's doing is he's, he's kind of reinstating Peter into his calling. And he's doing this in, in, for Peter, but he's also doing this in front of the disciples because they know what Peter did. And so he's kind of resetting Peter into this position, okay? So he's, he's doing this. He's kind of welcoming back in the family, and then it kind of takes this weird kind of wild turn here where they have this exchange, and this is what we're going to look at and what we see in the life of, of Peter is what we find sometimes in our life, this issue of comparison. All right, so look at this with me. Uh, John 21, verse 18. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, and he's talking to Peter. When you were younger, 
You girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Okay, so maybe you just heard that and you're going right, right now, you're just kind of going, I have no idea what's going on right now. That's okay. Here, here's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, he was, he was letting Peter in on how Peter was going to die. And he was letting him know that someday you're, you're going to be martyred. That thing that you were so afraid of that you denied me over, that's actually going to happen, Peter. So you're going to have to deal with this. You're going to have to get over this. He says, he says this, he says, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And I'll show you this in the end of the message. Jesus, or Peter was actually crucified in a similar way to how Jesus was crucified. So, so he's letting Peter in on how his life is going to end. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't even want to know this. <laughs> like, this is not like, okay, and you know what? You can stop, Jesus. I'm good. It's just, well, when that happens, cool. I'll, but Jesus lets him in on this. Now, what's amazing is, this is where we see this comparison stuff, is his response to this. Okay, verse, verse 20. Look at his response. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, <laughs> the disciple Jesus loved, at this verse talking about, this is John, the writer of this book. And he refers to himself in his book as the disciple Jesus loved, which I just think is hilarious. And then I also love what it says next. Uh, he saw him following who had also leaned on his breast at the supper. So apparently during the last supper, John was like, you know, laying in the, in, against the chest of Jesus. So we're not seeing a real great image here of John. I don't know. He, but anyways, and, so, and he said, and, this, and John said this, he said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? Okay, so now back to Peter. Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Okay, so let me just clarify what just happened. Peter finds out you're going to die a gruesome death, and his response is, well, what about him? What's going to happen to him? See, Peter and John kind of had this little rivalry thing going between the two of them. They were the two disciples that were kind of, the, you know, kind of Jesus' favorites, kind of always there with Jesus had some kind of really interesting moments. And so when this is happening to Peter, here's what, here's what Peter's wanting. Jesus, can you relieve some of, the, some of what I'm feeling right now by telling me something similar is gonna happen to him too? Like Peter's wanting Jesus to be like, oh yeah, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna have a rough death, but he is too, like, he's gonna get chopped up by a chainsaw. It's gonna be rough, right? <laughs> so Peter can be like, oh yeah, okay, that makes me feel better, good. Okay, as long as, it's great. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus does not bring any relief to the situation whatsoever. Look at what Jesus says in verse 22. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is it to you? Follow me. Like in other words, if I will that he lives for thousands of years, what's it to you? Like again, this isn't gonna make John feel any better, right? And what's interesting is, what I found this week as I was studying this is Jesus, this is Jesus, like loving Jesus, like we love Jesus, right? And Jesus loves us. We, he laid down his life for us. We know that, right? But Jesus has zero sympathy for comparison. And, and what does Jesus do? What we see in, what Jesus says to Peter is what I believe he says to us when we fall into this issue of comparison. Quit looking at him. Quit looking at her. Quit looking at their life. You follow me. But what do we do? So often we compare. We compare. We, we look at our life compared to to somebody else's life. And the problem with this is there is a curse attached to it. Let me show you this today. The curse 
of comparison. Let's look at that. Uh, There's three things that I see in the curse of comparison. The first one is this. Comparison either produces inferiority or superiority. Okay? So comparison, here's how it works. There's no way around it. You're either going to feel better about yourself or you're going to feel worse about yourself. Let me say it this way. You're going to feel insecurity about yourself or you're going to feel pride and prideful. Neither of those are okay, just so you know. You, you look at what somebody else has, somebody else's house, you're either gonna feel better about your house or worse about your house. You're either gonna feel insecure about what you have or you're gonna feel prideful about what you have. Somebody else's job, you're either gonna feel better or worse. Somebody else's spouse, their marriage, you're either gonna feel better or you're gonna feel worse. There, there's no other option. This is what, this is what we we're going to deal with. And, and here's the thing about this issue of comparison is that if we, if we let it be uncontrolled and allow sinful comparison in our life, it will kill contentment. It will absolutely kill t- contentment. Uncontrolled comparison will kill your contentment in life. So we have to learn how to deal with this. I think uh, there's a great, great quote I read this week by a pastor named Stephen Furtick. You probably, many of you heard of him, but he, he says this about comparison. He says, don't compare your behind the scenes with somebody else's highlight reel. You know, that's kind of what we, we have a lot today is through social media, through just kind of the things that we see. Like we're sometimes, we're in that bad moment, having a bad day or whatever. We get on social media and we see all these other people that are having this amazing life. It seems like every day, because what, because social media is like our highlight reel. Like nobody gets on social media and like takes pictures of themselves first thing in the morning. We don't do that or we don't, we don't take, you know, we take pictures of ourselves at the beach after we've been like on a beach body workout plan to get to the beach for like the last two months. That's when we take a picture. We don't like take a picture after we just ate a pie, right? Because, because it's, our, it's kind of our highlight reel. And, and far too often we're unfair because we compare our everyday life to people's highlight reel. And we can't do that. We're, it's, not a fair, it's not a fair way to go through life. And if we do that, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to find that we feel inferior. We put ourselves in this category where we, we feel like we're not doing as good as other people and our life isn't going where it should be. And so what happens out of that comes all this evil, comes all this sin, comes all this other stuff. We get, we get miserable and we get gossipy and we get competitive and we get bitter and it's a mess. So we got to learn to control this this comparison stuff. Comparison is either going to produce inferiority or superiority. It's either going to produce uh, insecurity or pridefulness. There's, there's no other choice if it's not the right kind of comparison. Here's the second thing that we see that comparison does. Comparison produces anger towards God and others. Let me say it this way. If you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, when we compare, God is not fair. When we compare, God is not fair. And here's why. Because I think every one of us in here, especially Christians, we believe that God is in control and even if you're not a Christian, if you're an atheist, there's, there's people that in that moment of frustration or aggravation, all of a sudden we start to believe in God and, and that God is in control. And so if, if that's the case, God is in control and my life, I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with in my life right now and God's in control, then God just must be mean or God is unfair or God, God's not a good God. And, and you, you ever done this before? Maybe you have. I, I know I have before. Uh, maybe you're dealing with a situation uh, and, and you're having a hard time. And you come across somebody and they're in a similar place in life as you. Maybe they have the same job that you have. Or maybe they're in a similar place in life or in marriage. 
And in there, there, maybe you do the same job. Maybe you're both plumbers, okay? Let's just take that for example. You're a plumber, they're a plumber. And, and they're doing really great. Their business is just booming and doing amazing. And you're in the same business and your business is struggling. Maybe, maybe their marriage just looks amazing and they're so happy and everything looks great and your marriage is miserable. Maybe their kids just are little perfect little angels and your kids are hellions, right? And so what happens? This, we see this stuff and what do we do? We go, well... That just proves it. I always thought so, but I know it now to be true. God must not like me. God is mean and, and he's holding me to some standard because I'm a plumber and he's a plumber and his job's doing great and mine's not. What's up, what's up with that, God? And we become angry and we become resentful towards God. But, but it's not just God, it's other people too. We become resentful and angry towards the people around us and we find ourselves doing, doing stuff like we celebrate when other people have tough times when other people are dealing with hard times and we find ourselves getting upset when other people are having things that go good for them you know you find out that friend or that that person that you know their aunt died and they inherited two million dollars it's like why can't my aunt die you know god what could you could you smoke my aunt please i'd like to get two million dollars that would be awesome why can't that happen to me it's not fair or there's that person in your life that, you know, you kind of find yourself a little, a little envious of sometimes, a little comparing yourself to them. They're a little bit ahead of you, and, and then something, good, something bad happens to them. You know, they, they have a car accident. You find, oh, man, they had a car accident. Oh, man. Did it do any um, like damage to their face? <laughs> Permanent damage. Oh, wow. That's a shame. <laughs> hey, guys, you want to go get some lunch? It's on me, right? What, what? Can I be real with you this morning? And it may not be that extreme, but if we're not careful, this comparison stuff can get our way of thinking to be really messed up. Have you ever, um, you ever seen this thing on, internet, on the internet called Pinterest fails? You ever seen this before? Or, or maybe you've seen the hashtag uh, nailed it before, right? And what people do, okay, so here's what people do. They try Pinteresty type stuff and they fail miserably, right? And, and then they post about it and they show you, you know, their, their mistakes. Uh, and, and there's a whole website for this. It's pretty funny. In fact, I brought some pictures. We'll, we'll look at these together. So here's the first one. <laughs> Nailed it. Pokemon cake. You got the, yeah. Go, to, go ahead and go to the next one there. You got Elmo and you got Helmo. That's just, that's just going to bring some joy to some children right there. Go to the next one. Any ladies ever been here before? Like you try the makeup thing and it just is, is a disaster. Like Sarah, sometimes she'll try some, some new curling technique. Is it okay if I talk? Yeah, she'll, and she'll come out and just, she'll be like in the bathroom for like 30 minutes and then she'll just come out with a ponytail because it did not work. <laughs> it didn't work out. Um, let's go to the next one. This is pretty awesome. Kids, <laughs> kids don't always cooperate, do they? And, and that kind of, that leads us to the last one here. You know, you're trying to create this amazing moment. Go ahead and go to that last one, guys. And it just, it ain't working out, you know? You see the moment, you're trying to create it, and it just, and, and then, you know what, this is funny. Like, we enjoy this. We kind of laugh at this uh, because we've tried this stuff before. We've tried the DIY projects. We've tried to do some of these things. We failed, and so we kind of find something funny in that. But, and and, I, and this is not what I'm talking about. This is, this is okay, you know, to joke and laugh at ourselves. But, but the, the bigger issue is when we find ourselves having a heart that's not like the heart of God, where the only way we can feel good about ourselves is to see other people fail. 
That's not the heart of God. God is not your source if you're thinking that way. That's not the fruit of the Spirit alive and working in you if that's the way you're operating. operating. So comparison, like we, we can't live this way where we're, 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 we're angry and upset at God and other people. That's what, it, that's what it'll lead us to. And here's the last thing the curse of comparison leads to. Comparison opens the door to Satan. It opens the door to Satan. John, uh, James 3, verse 14 through 16 says this. But, but if, uh, if you have bitter envy, by the way, envy is kind of a core um, thing. It's kind of a, the root of comparison. And self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, talking about this envy, this comparison, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, look at this, and demonic. Now, so it doesn't come from God. It comes from this earth. It comes from what's going on this earth, and it's demonic. It's earthly. It's not good. And look at what it says next. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So here, here's what this is saying. Sinful comparison is based in the sin of envy. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to opening the door to other kinds of evil to enter into your life and to mess you up. You think back to, to the fall of man that happened. or I'm sorry, the first sin that ever happened. Let's think about that, okay? You think about the first sin, and probably you're thinking about the fall of man and Adam and Eve in the garden, but really, you really think about the first sin was what happened to, to Lucifer, to Satan in heaven, where, where, where Satan tried to compare himself to God, tried to, tried to be like God. What did he do? He wanted to be like God. He wanted to have the worship that God had. It says this about it. There, in fact, there's two verses you can read. If you read Ezekiel 28, it talks about this. It talks about how his pride, out of his pride, he became corrupt, which led to his fall. And then in Isaiah 14, verse 12, it talks about this too. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. So Lucifer is the name of Satan when he was an angel in heaven, okay? It goes on to say, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, now look at what he said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Now look at this. I will be like the most high, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, this is God talking now, which is hell, the lowest depths of the pit. Now again, this is probably something you're going, what are we talking talking about here. Let me explain. Uh, Satan was in heaven. He was this angel named Lucifer. He saw God. He saw the praise that God was receiving. He saw the position that God had. He saw uh, the power that God had and he wanted it. And he wanted to, he started comparing himself to God and figuring out ways that he could rise and get above God. And this competitive pride rose up in him. And and out of that, he tried to divide heaven and it did not work out well. And he was cast out. And so Lucifer became Satan. He became evil incarnate and he was cast down down to this earth. So let me say it like this. Satan fell, and when Satan fell, evil fell into this world. And why did that happen? Because of envy. Now let me, let me say it, let me break it down even more for you so you can see this. When you allow envy into your heart, evil enters into your world. That's what we see that happened with Satan, and that's what happens with us. Isn't that what the end of that verse said in James uh, 3.16? For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Comparison opens the door up to evil. There's a curse attached to this. So what's the cause of comparison? What's causing us to have this comparison thing in us? Well, comparison comes from, I think the best word that really defines where this comparison stuff comes from is the word covetousness. 
Covetousness. Here's what covetousness is. It's a strong desire to have that which belongs to another. It's a strong desire to have that which belongs to another. Covetousness says this. It says, um, I, I want what he has. I want what she has. I want her life. I want his life. I want his job. I want his, his marriage. I want her looks. I want her body. I want, I want that. I want what they have. And, and really, at the heart of it, it comes from ingratitude. This covetousness is rooted in ingratitude. And here's, here's what it's saying. I want what they have because what I have is not good enough. I want, I want that, God, because what you gave me, it's not good enough. This body you gave me, it's not good enough. This job that you've given me, it's not good enough. The, 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 the talents, the gifts, the things you've placed inside of me, they're not good enough. I don't want what I have. I want what, what they have. That's where this covetousness comes from. It, it, it's, and, and look at this, Colossians 3, verse 5. It says that we're to put to death what is earthly in you. This, is, this stuff is earthly. This is of this world. This is sinful, earthly stuff. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and looky here, covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, idolatry is, is idol worship, right? Maybe you're sitting here going, well, how is covetousness idolatry? Well, think about it. Uh, an idol is anything that, gets, that takes the place of God in our life. And what happens is we begin to desire what somebody else has. We begin to want what somebody else has, and it becomes an idol in our life that we fix our eyes on. And it becomes such an idol in our life that we take our eyes off of God, we put our eyes on this thing, and it becomes something that gets in between us and our relationship with God. You guys tracking with me? And so it becomes an idol, it becomes a new God that we begin to worship. That guy's life, that person's life, what they have what that I don't have becomes an idol in our life. That thing, whatever that thing is, becomes a God. Now think back just a moment ago, we talked about the fall of Satan, right? And how Satan fell because of, of envy and because of comparison. He was trying to compare himself to God, he was envious of what God had. Well, that same tactic that Satan was trying to use in heaven was the tactic and the tool that he used to cause the sin that entered the world to take place through mankind. Remember what happened with Adam and Eve? What did, what did Satan do? He went to them and he said, hey, you see that fruit over there that God said you can't have? If you have it, you'll be like God. You'll compare with God. You'll, you'll have what he has. And so what happened? Their eyes got fixed on that thing. Instead of on God, they took their eyes off of God. They put their eyes on this fruit. It became an idol in their life, and they entered. And what happened? All kinds of evil entered the world because they wanted to compare. This comparison stuff will mess you up. So how do we deal with it? What's the cure for comparison? Well, in, in Romans chapter 1, we, we see this group of people. And I'll show you this. These are people who know God. But these people don't deal with this comparison stuff very well. They, they fix their eyes on the wrong kind of stuff in this world and it causes them to get into a lot of trouble. And so what we see in, in this story is what, we can, what can happen to us if we're not careful and we allow comparison to creep into our life. Look at this, Romans chapter one, verse 21. It says this, because although they knew God. Now, how many of you know God in here this morning? Okay, cool, three of you know God, that's great since that's kind of our thing here at New Song Church, helping people know God. Let me try that again. How many of you know God this morning? 
right? Okay, you love God, you have a relationship with God, you're, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, he's your savior and your Lord, that's, that's, us. that's who these people are. These are people that know God. But look at what happens. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Now remember that, we're gonna come back to that. And their hearts, and their, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Because when we compare, it's just foolishness. And, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image like a corruptible man, and birds and forfeited animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts, the lust of their, their hearts, the, the adultery of their hearts, the covetousness of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Okay, let me explain this because again, some of these verses I know are kind of hard to understand. These people knew God, but they began to fix their eyes on the creation instead of the creator. They began to fix their eyes on the things of this world instead of on God and on the things, uh, eternal things that had eternal value. And out of that, evil entered into their world. And this can happen to us as a church. This can happen to us as believers, especially in the world that we live in where comparison is so strong, where everybody's got a board and everybody's got a timeline, everybody's got a feed, and we can see this. I mean, we live in a culture today where comparison is so strong. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves comparing, 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 looking at magazine covers and, and doing this stuff that just drives us away from the presence of God. So what, so what do we do? Well, we can learn from what they did wrong and do the opposite. And it says at the beginning of this verse in, uh, in Romans 121, there's three things that we see that they were doing wrong, that if we'll do the opposite, I believe it'll help us to step out from underneath this, this curse of comparison, this cause of comparison. Look at this. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. The first thing we see here is they were not glorifying God. So the first thing we need to do is glorify God. Now we'll talk more about these here in just a second. Nor were they thankful they weren't thankful, so what should we be? We should be thankful. And then it says, but became futile in their thoughts. In other words, their, their thinking was messed up, so what do we need to do? We need to renew our minds, renew your minds. Okay, so let's look at these three things. This is how we defeat comparison in our life, we combat comparison in our life. Number one, we gotta glorify God. Gotta glorify God. Take notes, write that down, glorify God. Now, let me give you another word for glorify because glorify is not really a word that we understand. It's not really a word we use very much. Here's another word that, that kind of means the same as glorify. It's magnify. Magnify. We, we need to magnify God. Now think about magnifying something. Anytime you magnify something, whether it's through uh, a microscope or binoculars or a telescope, when you magnify something, two things happen. First thing happens is this. You get tunnel vision. You get tunnel vision. In other words, you don't see the peripheral things as much, right? Your, your focus is drawn to the thing that you're magnifying. You can't see everything else. You're, you're drawn to the thing that you've put magnification on. The second thing that happens is you see the object of focus in greater detail. When you magnify, if I go look at the moon outside, I can see the moon, it's a big white you know, circle up there in the sky, but if I go get a telescope and I look at the moon, I can see craters, I can see greater detail, it becomes larger in my view, I can see it in a greater way. In the same way, listen, when we magnify God, when we focus in on him, we take our eyes off the things of this world and put our focus on him, we, 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 the things of this earth go strangely dim. 
They get darkened, we, and, and we see God in a greater way. He becomes bigger in our line of sight. We see him for what he's about. We see that he's for us and not against us. We understand him and see him in a greater way, and we're empowered with our knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is what glorifying God, magnifying God is. That's why we encourage you every week in church when you're here to lift your hands, to, to forget about the things going on in your world. That's why Sarah gets up here and talks about this stuff, and, and Josh Ramal, they get up here to encourage you. Hey, I know you may have had some junk go on this world this week, but let's forget about that right now and let's connect with God and let's, let's magnify him. Let's zoom in on him. Let's focus on him and see him for who he is in the middle of our problems, in the middle of our situations. That's magnify God. Listen, listen. Don't just do that here. It's not enough. It's not enough to just do that once a week because you know what? Monday, everything else is gonna come back at you. You need to learn to live like this. <laughs> Live with that tunnel vision. Live with your eyes fixed on God, fixed on his promises, fixed on who he is in the middle of whatever situation you're dealing with. That's magnifying God. That's what we gotta do. We gotta magnify God. We gotta worship him, put our focus on him, glorify him. Number two, we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. We need to develop a thankful heart. We need to develop an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude. Okay, let me, let me help you. Let me give you a way of remembering that word gratitude. Okay, gratitude. Gra-attitude. Okay, it's a grace attitude. That's where the word comes from. Grace attitude. What's grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is, is realizing that what I have, I don't deserve. What I, what's in my life, I don't deserve. Jesus gave us grace through the cross. We didn't deserve forgiveness, but he gave us forgiveness. And we're grateful for that. We, we have gratitude for that, right? We need to have gratitude about everything in our life. You need to realize everything that you have, live this way, realizing that everything you have is a gift from God. Everything good that you have came from Jesus Christ, came from God, came from who he is in your life. If you'll learn to live that way, you'll develop this thankful heart. You know, here's the thing that's cool about thankfulness. Thankfulness is a habit, just like unthankfulness is a habit. So because it's a habit, we can develop it. We can grow in it if we will participate in it. So how do we participate in it? Let me give you a real practical thing that you can do to help you develop in your gratitude. Every day, especially those of you who are hearing me right now and you're going, man, I have a problem with comparison. I know that I'm doing this a lot. Here's something you can do. Every day, make a list of 10 things to be thankful for. A list of 10 things to be thankful for. Thankful, God, that I'm, I'm, I'm alive today. I'm not dead Thankful, God, that I'm healthy today. I'm not in a hospital. You're not in a hospital this morning, amen? amen. We can be thankful for that. Thankful that I, I'm, I have food on my table. I have food in my pantry and in my refrigerator. I'm thankful for that. There's people that are gonna die during this service of starvation in the, in the world. It happens. There's people that, that's happening in America. We can be thankful for that. We can be thankful for my marriage. Whether your marriage is good or not, you can be thankful. Thank God right now in faith for your marriage. Thank God for your kids. Thank God for your church, amen? amen. Thank God for your pastor. We need, to, we need to be thankful. And if we'll develop this thankfulness, it'll change your heart. It will kill comparison in you. So we need to be thankful. We need to have an attitude of gratitude, a heart that says, God, I'm thankful. Everything I have is because of you. Thank you, God, for what you've given me. You know, I, and, and me and Sarah, a few years back, You've heard us tell the story, I think, before of when we lost our, our little baby at 20 weeks. And Sarah went on this journey after that where God spoke to her about making a list every day 
until she got to 10,000 things that she was thankful for. So for a year of her life, every day she wrote a list of either 26 or 27 things that she was thankful for until she got to 10,000 things at the end of a year. And I'll tell you, that year of our life was amazing. It was amazing what God did in both of our hearts. The things, the way he healed us from the loss of our baby and just the revelation and the, the stuff that he showed us from just having a heart that was thankful. I wanna encourage you, be thankful. God's good, be thankful. Here's the last one. Number three, you need to renew your mind. Renew your mind. It said that they became futile in their thoughts. They were futile in their thoughts. Why? Because they had their, their, their thoughts set on earthly things. They had their thoughts set on creation instead of the creator. Colossians 3, 2 says this, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on this earth. Why? Because the stuff of this earth is darkness and death and a mess. And when we compare, it's not fair. It's gonna mess us up. And the only way you can really fix this issue, really fix your mind if you have a problem with comparison is you gotta get into the Bible. You gotta get into the word of God. You gotta come to know the word of God. Not just read it every once in a while, but, but dig into it. Desire to know it, to get it down deep inside of you. You know, the word of God is like, it's kind of like this. We're all born into this world. Think of your mind like a computer, okay? And we're all born into this world with this, with this, with this, 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 this hardware that has some support that is messed up, right? We're born into a world, we have corrupt thinking, it's a sinful world, and, and then there's things that happen to us in our life, we, we have you know, stuff that happens to us in our childhood, in our teenage years, all these things that corrupt the software of our, of our minds, and our minds get kind of messed up. Well, the Word of God is like this program that we can load into the hardware, that's the software that will come in and begin to change the way things are running. And there's a virus, you know, part to this, to this program that will drive out all the bad stuff that doesn't belong in your mind. That's what the Word of God has the ability to do. It's a living and active book. It's like no other book because it's the living Word of God. And if you want to get it deep down inside of you and know it like I'm, what I'm talking about this morning, then you have, to, you have to do something. Here's what you need to do. You need to practice biblical meditation. Now, maybe you're sitting here right now and you're going, I have no idea where this is going right now. Like, are they about to drop the temperature down to like 90 degrees and we're all gonna start sitting in here humming and sweating? I'm not talking about that, okay? That's not the kind of meditation I'm talking about this morning. Biblical meditation is quite the opposite of maybe what you've heard of, which is Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation, here's Eastern meditation. You empty your thoughts, you empty your mind and you open up your consciousness to, to you know, whatever comes into it, like demons, right? They don't tell you that part, but that's what happens. Biblical meditation is actually intentionally filling our mind with things so that we can get more revelation from God and what he wants to say in our life. Now, the, let, me, let me show you this verse. This is uh, Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, blessed. Everybody say blessed. blessed. You want to be blessed? Yes. You want to be blessed? Okay, look what it says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That's all world stuff. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's the word of God. And in his law, in the word of God, he meditates day and night. That word meditate there means to think deeply about something. Now, if you study the word meditate, you're gonna find another word that's closely linked to it called ruminate. 
Ruminate. Now, here's what ruminate means. I know I'm giving you a lot of stuff this morning. I hope you can go back and listen to the podcast later, okay? Here's what ruminate means. Ruminate means, uh, it comes, if you're like a farmer or a rancher, you would know what this means, but it means to, to really break something down. It's like this. When a, when a cow or a sheep goes out and they chew the cud, you know, these animals that have multiple stomachs, remember that in like second grade or, you know, school, whatever, what they do is they, they chew the grass and they chew it in their mouth and then they swallow it and then they regurgitate it and then they swallow it and then they regurgitate it, and then they pick some more and they eat it and they chew it and they swallow it and regurgitate it and they keep doing this and what happens is it gets more and more refined and as it gets more and more refined, it goes deeper inside of them. It goes to different stomachs, deeper inside of them. It becomes energy for them. It becomes power inside of them. It becomes something that is their life source. That's what it's talking about when it's talking about meditating on Scripture. It's where we take the Word of God and we look at it and we read it and we speak it and we say it out loud. And we look at it and we break it down and we ask the Holy Spirit to, to make it come alive to us. And we study different words within Scripture. We're meditating on it. We're, we're, we're taking it in and we're, we're bringing it back up and we're taking it. And the, the more we do it, the deeper it gets inside of us to where it becomes the power of our life. It becomes the fuel of our life. It becomes the thing that when the Satan comes against us with an attack, we're not going, oh, great, what do I need to do? We'll start looking through the Word to try to find something. No, it's inside of us and it comes out of us because we know it and we believe it. But that comes from meditating on the word. And when, and when we see things in this world and, and the enemy starts to come to us and say, hey, you don't compare. You don't line up with that person. You're not as good as them. And we, we look at the word of God and we say, no, 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 no. I'm the head and not the tail. You know why we say that every week? Because we want you to believe it. Yes. That's why we say it. That's why we have all your kids saying it. You're the head, not the tail. You're above not only and not beneath. You're blessed coming in and blessed going out. And everything you set your hands to will prosper. Believe that. That's what God's word says. It's from the Bible. We want you to believe that. We want you to get that deep down inside of you so that becomes the power of your life. This is what you have to do. And listen, it's not enough to just have me do it for you once a week. My job's to equip you. But your job is to help yourself too. You gotta feed yourself sometimes. You gotta go get in the word. You gotta study. You gotta read it. You gotta meditate. This is what I'm encouraging you to do. You know, me and Sarah will meet with people all the time here at the church. And they'll come to us and they'll tell us about how life is just not going the way they want it to and, and they feel like they have no purpose and they're just struggling and things are not going good and, and I'm telling you, every, every time they do, there's one question that we normally end up asking them. It's kind of the first question that comes out and it's this, what's your time with God look like? And far too often, what they tell us is, well, I don't really have one. I, I listen to a message in my car every once in a while or I'll put worship music on while I drive around. Well, do you pray? Well, not really. Do you read the Bible? No, not really. How can we expect to receive from God if we're not making any room for him to come into our life? It doesn't work that way. This is why this is so important. If you're struggling with comparison, this is what we gotta do. We gotta glorify God. We gotta magnify God. We gotta look to God. Take our eyes off the things of this world and look to God. If you're struggling with comparison, you gotta be thankful. Instead of this ingratitude of what they have is better than what I have, we're going to have an attitude that says, God, you've given me more than enough. And I'm grateful for everything I have. It's all because of you. Every good thing I have is because of you. And whether or not I see it as good right now or not, I'm going to thank you for it anyways. And we realize that our minds can get messed up and we got to renew them. We got to stay in the word. We got to get the word down deep down inside of us. Remember when we started this message, we, we were talking about Peter, right? And how Peter had this problem with comparison. And, and Jesus was telling him about how his life was going to end. And, and what does he do? He turns to John and says, well, what's going to be like for him? And we see that Peter had this issue. 
Well, what I love about this story of Peter is at the end of Peter's life, I, what I see in Scripture is that got fixed. Because this is, this is 2 Peter uh, 1, verse 14. Peter is on his way to Rome, and he knows that he's going to die. It says this, Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. In other words, he knows he's going to die. He says, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. So he's talking about what Jesus said to him. And, and what he knows is, I'm getting ready to be martyred. He knows that's coming. When Jesus said, you're going to stretch out your arms, they're going to take you where you don't want to go. He knows that's coming. It's been 30 years since Jesus gave him that word. Now, it doesn't say this in scripture, but history tells us, in fact, there's three historical documents that, that talk about how Peter died. And when Peter died, he was crucified. But he insisted on not being crucified like Jesus. He insisted on being crucified upside down. And here's why. He didn't want his life, his death, to draw any comparisons to that of his Savior. He said, I don't compare. He wasn't trying to compare. He came to believe what Jesus was trying to help him see. Peter, take your eyes off this world. Take your eyes off of John. You follow me. I believe as a church, that's what Jesus is saying to us today. Take your eyes off that person. Take your eyes off their, what they have. Take your eyes off that stuff. Take your eyes off whatever it is you've got your eyes fixed on and you follow God. We're gonna follow God. We're gonna fix our eyes on him because he's good and he's for us and he has a good life for us. And this comparison stuff is just eating our lunch. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here today, well, let me say this first. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning in this message? If you're new to church, you're new to new song, here's another way of saying that. What's God saying to you today in this message? Maybe you're completely new to the things of God. Let me say it this way. What are you thinking right now? What's, what are the thoughts that are going through your mind? You know, that's how God talks to us. God's, God talks to us but it's in our thoughts. It's not some booming voice from heaven. It sounds like us and it's our thoughts. And right now, God may be talking to you. In fact, I'm sure he is. The Holy Spirit's talking to you. And he's saying, hey, maybe there's some areas of your life where you've been, you've been comparing and God's talking to you about that right now. Maybe you find yourself here and you, you realize there's something in you. There's a conviction in you that says, I need, to, I need to repent of some way I've been thinking. I've been angry at God. I've been blaming God for stuff that's not God's fault. I, 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 I'm, I've been looking at other people and finding joy in their failures. I've been, I've been finding pain in, in people's successes. I got to change that. Maybe you're here today and you realize that you've been unthankful. You're not grateful for what God's given you. You're so focused on what you don't have. You're not grateful for what you do. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? I want to encourage you, whatever he's saying to you right now, just take a moment. And if you have a, something that you need to be repenting for, just take a moment. You don't have to do it out loud. You can just do this in your mind. God can, God can read your thoughts, which is great. And just, just think towards God. God, I'm sorry. I repent. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for the way I've been thinking. Forgive me for what I've been doing. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. You guys can look up here at me. If you're here today and you have a need of prayer in your life, we would love to pray for you this morning. We believe at New Song Church that there's power that comes from joining our faith with other people because the Bible is pretty clear about that. It says that one could put a thousand to flight, but two, ten thousand. 
which means that when we pray with other people, our prayers are multiplied in power 10 times. So we want to give you the opportunity to join your faith with other people who love you and who, who know the Word of God and want to just pray faith over you. They, they're not going to judge you. They're not going to do anything weird to you. They just simply want to, to join their faith with yours and whatever it is you're believing for. Maybe you have something going on in your finances, maybe physically, maybe emotionally. You, you just find yourself this morning right now, there's just, something, there's just something on your mind. There's something that's weighing heavy that as you came to church today, it's kind of weighing heavy. Don't leave with that burden. Leave it here. Leave it for Jesus. Cast it on God this morning and let him take care of it. I want to encourage you here in just a moment, uh, David's going to go back into his song. We're going to worship God together. And if that's you and you need prayer of any kind, if it matters, let me hear you. If it's little, big, whatever, if it matters to you, it matters to God. So if that's you today, I want to encourage you to come forward and receive prayer. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to go back into a song. We're going to go back into this song that we sang earlier, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you prayed earlier and you've repented for maybe taking your eyes off of God, let this be a moment of faith for you where you sing out in faith that, God, I'm gonna fix my eyes on you. I'm gonna fix my attention on you. I'm gonna take my, my eyes off this world. I'm gonna fix my focus on you. I'm gonna let you be big in my world and I'm gonna let you speak to the issues of my life. I wanna encourage you, let's just worship God. Let's seal this word with some worship this morning. And if you have a need of prayer, this is the time you can come forward. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you that you love us enough to, to help us with our issues. And we come to you this morning. We thank you that. I, I pray that everyone in here, as we fix our attention on you, Lord, that you would minister to us, that you'd breathe life and love and help and healing into our hearts. And I pray for all of those that need prayer this morning, that they would have the faith to come forward and receive the prayer in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.